Hello, this is Brett Ratner, the director of Rush Hour 2, and I'm with... Jeff Nathanson, the credited screenwriter of Rush Hour 2. And we're here to give you guys some insight on how we made this film. This sequence was inspired by a movie called Enter the Dragon, which is my favorite martial arts movie, which opened with actually a static shot, not a helicopter shot, but a static shot from this peak right here overlooking all of Hong Kong. And I always dreamed of shooting a movie in Hong Kong. It was just fascinating me being a little kid and seeing images of Hong Kong. This sequence was written by Jeff and then taken out, and then when we test screened it, the audience didn't really understand what was going on, so we went back and did this last minute and got all these shots of different Hong Kong sites and buildings and streets and <laughs> views of Hong Kong. This is actually in L.A. Lalo Schifrin, who of course did the first movie, and this theme is great because it reprises the first movie, but it also is much more orchestral, with less Chinese instrumentation, and it's bigger. It makes it feel like it's a bigger movie. Terrence Marsh, our production designer, who was actually an art director on Lawrence of Arabia. Actually, this movie put him into retirement. Yes, you ended his career. <laughs> We have many producers on this, executive producers, producers. There's our two favorite producers, Arthur Sarkissian and Roger Birnbaum, who are actually on vacation together right now somewhere in the Caribbean. Jay Stern and John Glickman, two great guys. Ross Lamana, who wrote, uh, the, first wrote the first Rush Hour. And then Jeff Nathanson, who wrote this Rush Hour and rewrote the first Rush Hour. This is actually a police station in Hong Kong. This was very hard to get this location that we kind of built the facade and turned into the uh, United States consulate. And that's Zhang Ziyi, of course. From Crouching Tiger. From Crouching Tiger and Dragon. We had a tough time trying to figure out how to introduce these guys, because I remember when I first met with Jeff, we said maybe we should start them getting off the airplane. And Jeff was adamantly against it, if I remember. I, I really wanted to start with them singing. Yeah. Because, honestly, it, it just feels like you know, the chemistry of these two guys and what you want to see them uh -huh. doing when you come back to them. And also I think you were against it because you said, it's been three years. <laughs> you know, their hair looks different, their bodies look different, their, their skin looks different. Let's have a moment of suspended belief. You know, like maybe this is their third trip to Hong Kong instead of leaving it where we left off. The other thing we do here is we start the movie with two Jackie Chan jokes, which I think sort of sets a tone that this movie's going to be a little bit different. In the first movie, Jackie is really serious throughout, mm -hmm. almost like a straight man. Mm -hmm. And clearly here, he's going to have more fun in this rush hour. And that's what we did. I mean, we chose to kind of give Jackie more of the verbal comedy instead of being the tail end of the joke. He's delivering some of the jokes. And Chris, we gave him more physical stuff to do. So it's kind of like role reversal. We always knew that instead of Jackie being in L.A. being the fish out of water, Chris will be in Hong Kong and he'll be the fish out of water. But we also did it with the comedy. We gave Chris more physical stuff to do in this movie. And we gave Jackie more of the comedy, and Jackie felt more comfortable with it. In the first movie, when he was saying stuff like, what's up, my nigga, or stuff like that, he didn't know why it was funny, he didn't understand it, until he saw it in front of an audience. And he became more confident, because he realized, oh, this works, this chemistry between Chris and I, Americans like it and enjoy it. It's also that everyone knows Chris Tucker's a great comedian, but a lot of people don't know what a brilliant comedian Jackie Chan uh -huh. is. And a great actor as well. I mean, Jackie is, is an all-around amazing 
performer. I mean, he grew up in the opera where he learned everything from acrobatics to martial arts to performance art. Jackie can really do anything in the entire world when it comes to performing. He knows why he was born. He was put on this earth to entertain people, and he will go to any lengths, even run butt naked down the street, to get people to laugh and to enjoy what they're watching. Okay, well, let's go party then. Hey, this is nice. Hey, cutie. They don't like torsi here, so try to blend in. You mean blend in? I'm two feet tall and This in here. sequence came up because Chris and I actually went to Hong Kong for the Hong Kong premiere and everywhere he would go he would try to communicate with people and they literally would not understand what he was saying and we went to this karaoke bar one night and he got up and started singing Michael Jackson and literally every single guy in there were giving him the looks of death. Who is like, this guy smoking? Where did you find this guy? Just some guy we found. This is just <laughs> some great. guy. He was fantastic. <laughs> He's like the Fu Manchu look. You know, he's got the hair coming out, like the long hair. This guy right here was actually Jackie Chan's stand-in on the first rush hour. And on the day of, I still hadn't found somebody that I liked. And I literally held auditions before, while they were pre-lighting the set. I had like all the extras get up there and I said, okay, give me your best Michael Jackson. And we went through like 10 people and this guy stood up and just stole it. And then people just started cheering. You could tell by just the crowd reaction. And this guy is now a star because of it. Okay, I mean, all he was was a stand-in and he's a great guy. And he was so happy. I saw him at the uh, cast and crew screening and had the biggest smile on his face because he's also in all the commercials. Right, he gets a lot of laughs. He gets all the laughs too, which is great. I love when someone aside from the two main stars get laughs, especially an extra in the movie. Messi. These guys are part of Jackie Chan's stunt You see team. them throughout the movie about a hundred times. Yeah. The <laughs> same guys. The same guys. They're in the, and they're in every Jackie Chan movie. Get closer. Oh, get closer. I'm burning now. This is a Chris Tucker moment that is very real because Chris Tucker spends most of his time in his trailer singing Michael Jackson in the mirror. <laughs> and I relayed this to Jeff Nathanson and he came up with the scene. Well, this makes screenwriting easy when you just sort of write uh, Chris Tucker sings Michael Jackson and <laughs> he spends five minutes right. <laughs> doing this brilliant little performance. And Matt Leonetti did a great job lighting this, my cinematographer. It was very, very real and moody and kind of smoky. I'm kind of against smoke in a scene just because it kind of diffuses it a lot, but it, it looked really cool. I guess it worked. This guy, this was a last minute insert that we put in, just the guy staring at Chris, which is very real. When Chris was singing karaoke in Hong Kong, these guys were just staring at him, and I don't think if he was, if he wasn't Jackie Chan's friend, they would have probably like physically thrown him out of the club, but they just decided to get up and leave and walk out. So I tried to get some great faces. Um, and then last minute, we came up with the idea of all these girls. Actually, uh, yeah, how'd you come up with that, Brett? It was, there was just a lot of girls there, and we said, you know what, why don't you girls go up on stage and create some excitement? And it was literally last minute. It wasn't written. It was just something that we came up with last minute. It was a lot of fun. You know, Chris fed off of them. Chris felt like he was the man and it gave him a lot of confidence. And see how he comes over to Jackie here. Please, these people love me, man. Come on out here. Get off the stage. Are you crazy, man? I'm a star. I'm a god to these people. Come check this out. This is a gangster bar. We are here undercover. I knew you was lying. I knew you was lying, man. I'm sorry, Connor. You a liar. There was a line here that Jackie ad-libbed that was, what was the original line that was written? Jackie had as hard a time speaking the English in this movie as Chris did with the Chinese. So Lucky Chan hates my gut, basically. <laughs> There's so much English in Je this movie. Jeff gave him 
literally like five times the amount of dialogue that he had in the first movie. And in the first movie, he actually didn't say much. And uh, what I'll do is I'll invite Jeff into the edit room and I'll show him the scene. And like that off-camera thing about him shaving his butt, they want you to shave your butt. Jeff will give me like eight different lines and versions of it, and then I'll pick the best one and then have Jackie come in and do it later. But it really worked well. Okay, find out. Right now. As Chris is saying these lines, there's a guy off-camera feeding him the Chinese, and it's the funniest thing trying to get him to enunciate this Chinese. And it's, the situation is very real. I love Jeff's writing because he really writes the comedy from the situation. It's not necessarily just one-liners. The comedy always comes from the situation of the predicament that these two guys are in. In the first Rush Hour, Jackie was the fish-out-of-water character. He was in a foreign place. And in this movie, you know, it's the, really the reverse. Chris is in Hong Kong, and he's the fish-out-of-water. Did he actually learn any Chinese for this? Not really. <laughs> Translated. Okay, y'all gonna act like y'all don't hear what I'm saying. All right, who in here know Ricky Tan? This scene is a scene that we were concerned with because we were like, how are we going to start this movie with just a karaoke scene? Chris? Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do is to start a movie with a five-minute song and dance number. But I think this is why Chris Tucker is a comic genius. He can pull off something like that, and no one really notices that the movie now starts. <laughs> What I love about this is that, you know, the interior, of course, was in L.A., and then now we're in Hong Kong. We run out the back door, and we're in, in the Hong Kong streets, and the smell was painful. The smell really uh, <laughs> made me do a good job, I think. This is my favorite shot right here. When she runs towards this bamboo, that's actually bamboo that was a floating piece of bamboo. And then, of course, we cut to the reverse, and she's running up the building. And then Jackie, of course, look at this. I mean... It's amazing. Amazing, just runs up the bamboo like a cat. And of course, nobody will pay the writer to go research anything in Hong Kong, so I had to go to the bookstore and buy like travel books on Hong Kong. And I saw a whole bamboo structure outside of a building and just wrote a fight sequence on the bamboo, and this is what it turned out to be, which is amazing. Which is great. I mean, in anything we could write or anything we can come up with, or Jackie could think of, he could do physically. It's basically nothing is impossible. So Jeff's imagination can just run and Jackie can really make something of it and kind of bring it to reality. Anything that we can come up with that's a physical action sequence, we can write it and Jackie can really make it come to life. We rebuilt a piece of this building on stage, like that piece right there. There we're on location in Hong Kong, and then you cut to the next piece. Okay, actually, this is the, my favorite line of Jeff's right here. Move aside, Kobe. <laughs> that was a last minute. Literally about an hour before they were locking picture on the movie, he said, we need a line here for this woman. And, <laughs> and it got a huge laugh, and I think you should be very proud of it. This is the one moment that I didn't buy with Jackie tying this guy up. You know, you get by with it, but it's something that I'm kind of disappointed with. This is a great shot. We were on the roof of this building, and it was a crane kind of hanging over the other side. And I was scared for my life looking over, and Jackie just climbs over and, like, literally will grab this piece of bamboo and then just fall 
hanging there and it's just mind-blowing how he's not scared and these guys are running up the bamboo actually i watched them rig this building and the, the guys who were tying the bamboo off were like monkeys just like th with this thing of twine tying them together i mean it was just the scariest thing ever. And I said, Jackie's going to be climbing on that? Is that safe? And it's literally the strongest, I guess, material in the world. But they build these buildings with this bamboo scaffolding. How you get down there? Hurry up. Hold on. Don't let go, man. Watch out. Behind you. Huh? Behind you. What? We tried to throw Chris off the side of the building, but he was scared. And... Uh, but we did hang him very high here. That's on stage. The stuff that we did was on stage. These guys just have an undeniable chemistry together that really works. Please help me, man. Don't worry. Chinese bamboo is very strong. Ah! You sure, man? I'm sure. This is a combination, like I said, between stage and location work. And I try to do as much physical stuff as possible because if it's all doubles and then you just cut for the close-up of the line, then it's hard for the actors, especially Chris. You know, Chris has to really feel it in order to do, give a good performance. Also, a lot of diehard Jackie Chan fans wanted to see more action in this film. And oh, I think yeah. you really went out of your way to, to do these big set sequences like that. Well, we put a lot of thought into it. We knew we wanted bigger set pieces. You know, I mean, come on. The scariest thing, aside from the set pieces, was the dialogue, making it funny. And Jeff, I think, really delivered. And I'm not just stroking him. I mean, the truth is, people would walk up to Jackie and Chris and literally kids and repeat lines from the movie. You know, don't ever touch a black man's radio. Or do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So we were so worried, like, okay, what are the lines going to be in this movie that they're going to repeat? I think we were just worried about, you know, doing a sequel at all is such a terrifying thing because they don't really exist in nature. It's like that clone sheep. They don't, you know, it's like those uh, Taco Bell shells that are not real. They're, sequels are not real things. They're manufactured. And so we just really wanted to try to make a movie that lived up to it, and yeah. Brett, Brett did that. We had to come up with bigger action set pieces, bigger action sequences, more comedy, bigger explosions, bigger, bigger everything, and still keep consistent with what the fans really wanted to see, which is really the, these two guys and the relationship between these two guys. Lay home up, girl. Hello? Yeah. My American friend is on vacation. I want to show him a good time. Oh, you American? Yeah. You bring American money? I gotta leave. No. I got it. You sure? I'm sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Right this way, gentlemen. This is a scene that the set was kind of inspired by the movie Scarface, which is in Lopez Motors. You saw this facade of like palm trees. I kind of stole it from there and I showed it to my production and I said, you gotta do this because I love this and Scarface is my favorite movie. This idea of opening these things, I did a lot of research and went to a lot of massage parlors <laughs> in Hong Kong and around Asia. You think you have enough girls there, Brad? I'm not. You know what? I wanted to make it double the amount of girls, but we couldn't afford it. So um, we ended up with 20 girls there. I mean, I literally, I was negotiating with my producer. How many girls do you want? I said, don't give me the $50 girls, okay? I want the $100 girls. And Brett actually has those bleachers in his house. <laughs> I have that set in my house, which I uh, open occasionally. PG-13, right there. Right there. We cut away before you saw too much. She is nice, but I hurt my back and my neck, and I need a little bit more massage. You know, 
This is really one of my favorite Chris Tucker moments. He's just amazing here because you just sort of let the camera go and let him do what he wants to do. And I don't know if you remember this, but when you were writing the scene, I was showing you references of Enter the Dragon, and that, which is one of my favorite movies. And Jim Kelly had a moment where he was brought in a bunch of girls and he kind of like went through them right, right. and like picked like five or six of them. And I think subconsciously you kind of absorbed that and wrote this into it. This is great because Chris, you know, you put him around 20 beautiful girls and he just, he goes for it and he's able to pull it off. Yeah, I don't know how good this feels. Here is the interior of the massage parlor scene and we wanted... We know when Chris is best, and he's best when he's bullshitting, you know, and he's trying to convince these pretty girls that he's the man and how he beat up, you know, 20 triads, and Jeff wrote this stuff wonderfully, and uh, it's great to have a writer who really knows the voices of these characters. There's John Lone, who is my favorite actor in the whole world. I literally had to beg him to do this movie. Lee, what's wrong? That's Ricky Ten. When I actually handed in the first draft of the script, the first thing you said to me, this is, it's got to be two or three years ago, but yeah. I'm going to get John Lone to play Ricky Tan. And, yeah. and I didn't have him then. I, I thought you were out of your mind. <laughs> I loved Year of the Dragon. I thought he stole that movie. He was a brilliant, brilliant villain in it. And he literally wouldn't even take my calls because he had no desire to do a movie like this. And I just kept calling his agent and calling him, calling him. And said, I said, just get me a meeting with him. Let me sit with him face to face. And I flew to New York and I sat down with him and I said, you have to be in this movie. And I just literally did whatever I had to do. I begged him. And I'm so lucky to have him because he really makes for a great villain. I mean, the contrast between his elegance and stature and Chris Tucker's kind of... Yeah, he almost does nothing, you know, physical in the whole movie, which is really terrific. He's just the bad guy. Which is going with what we did, the formula of what we did with Rush Hour. The greatest compliment I got from the first Rush Hour was when everyone told me the villain, which is played by Ken Leung, which his name was Sang, the best compliment I got was, oh, Sang was the baddest mf -er in the whole world, man. He was a badass. He was such a good martial artist. He didn't throw one punch in the entire movie. And we said, we got to keep that. We got to keep John Lone as the guy who's too big to even raise a finger to anybody. He has his boys around. And he has his kind of underboss, which is played by Zhang Ziyi, who makes a great villain. But he's too important to, to get into a physical fight with Jackie, you know, until the very end, which leads to his demise. Look, little man, you coming with? Oh my lord! I would like to pay you for that laptop. I got. I think I should do that. No problem. I can get you a new one. I seen it on the internet with a DVD player. That's an old model. Here's another great example of uh, easy screenwriting. I write this scene, and they decide to add a fight scene. And I had no idea, almost until I saw the movie, that there was even a fight scene in this sequence. And it's really probably my favorite sequence in the movie. It's an amazing scene. But Jackie and Brett decided, well, it would be great. We have all these guys. Let's throw some bodies around. Because initially, I think in the script, what happens is they have this interaction, and then they're thrown out on the street naked. And what I did was I surrounded Jackie with things that he can use to fight. I have these chairs in there. I have the towels. I have stuff that he can use and make it exciting. The funniest thing is, Chris just decided, he came on the set and decided to, oh, right here's a great moment and a great line by Jeff. I'm sorry, man. God, uh, oh, y'all look alike. <laughs> which, uh, which is a very real moment. <laughs> yeah. We have the Ottomans, you know, that roll and, and a garbage can 
that could be that's a breakaway that could be used. So do you set those out and then I set those out. I mean I just have everything breakable or breakaway or usable in a fight and then Jackie says, Okay, I said here, this is what you have. You have this garbage can, you have these towels and then we coordinate that. It's a real fight and there's real danger and yet it's it's completely fun. You know, this is a typical Jackie Chan fight sequence, which is use what you have. It's not with special effects, it's not with wires like Crouching Tiger. It's very, very real. Don't worry, it's okay. Terry Marsh, my production designer, did an amazing job. And this was a huge, huge set. Just the details. I took him to a lot of these massage parlors unwillingly. He didn't really want to go. He's a married man. And uh, I showed him what they look like and how they have these chairs with these ottomans and girls in there serving you drinks and stuff. One of the things that I spent so much time trying to decide was what was on the TV um, in the background. And what was on the TV was a music video, because usually there's like two TVs and one is showing like MTV clips. And so I got Coco Lee, this girl who actually sang the title track for Crouching Tiger, her video, which I thought was a really cool video. And then images of pelicans, <laughs> you know, because there was all this nature footage. And I thought, you know what? Scarface, fly pelican, fly. Are those pelicans? Swans. Swan. Okay, well, whatever, swans. This here was the most dangerous thing we did in the entire movie, believe it or not. We got a car on the freeway and had Jackie and Chris in the back of the car and literally threw them out of the car without any kind of traffic control. We just threw them out there and had, of course, cars behind them slowing down so no one had a slam on their brakes except for our cars. But Jackie has a hard time walking down the street with his clothes on, let alone butt naked, okay, in Hong Kong. He's a god. <laughs> yeah, it's like God is walking down the street and God is naked and people are, like driving by on the freeway, Jackie Chan, like screaming. Like literally he was naked like when he got off the ramp and told me that someone asked him for his autograph and he was literally standing there butt naked and they didn't even look at him realize that he was butt naked. I mean, that's how mesmerized people are by him. This is Harris Eulin, who is a character in Scarface, who I had to have on the set just so I can ask him questions about Scarface, because Chris does the best Scarface impersonations, and we just were running the lines from Scarface back and forth with him. This is a set also, we went to the, the police allowed us into their police station in Hong Kong, but they would not allow us to blow it up, so we had to build it in LA, and it's like an exact duplicate of what the police station looked like in Hong Kong. I ain't never been humiliated and embarrassed like that in my whole entire life. I'd be running around Hong Kong butt naked, thanks to you. A lot of people sort of got a little bit upset about how these guys talked to each other and they thought it might be a little offensive. You know, the bottom line was, in writing the script, I thought that these guys were friends now, and I wanted yeah. to make that clear. And this is how friends talk to each other. They can say anything they want to each other, and they actually do. And they and do. And, and It and, all culminates later when <laughs> Jackie Chan says, I'll bitch slap you back to Africa, <laughs> right. which I don't think has ever been said in a movie before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jack is kind of saying it innocently because he's just going by, but th this time he kind of got it, you know. Yeah. He got that, I'll bitch slap you back to Bangkok, but just changed it. But there's an innocence about when he says something, even if it is, you know, racist or offensive or something. It's, it's not because it's not coming from that place. It's not coming from a place of hate or dislike because of the chemistry between these two guys and the love they have for each other. Yeah, and that's, I think, the hardest thing to duplicate in a sequel is that chemistry, and that's why most sequels don't work. What I love about this movie and what you did is you recreate it perfectly and then you exceed it. You take it to the next level, and that's almost impossible to do. Have a seat, please. I'm about to tell you cannot leave this room. The men who were killed yesterday were not American translators. 
They were undercover United States customs agents trying to break a triad smuggling ring. Smuggling what? So here's one of the few scenes that actually discusses plot in any way in this movie. It's actually really just a scene designed to get Jackie and Chris separated so that in a few moments we can blow up Chris, or at least have Jackie think we've blown up Chris. Mm -hmm. We were really looking for ways to raise the stakes a little bit or bring some kind of heart into the movie. In the first movie, we had the little girl who was kidnapped, and her life was at stake, and the stakes were really high, and there was a lot of emotion there. And uh, in this movie, we thought, okay, well, let's. it's actually a gimmick a little bit, but and I don't know if anybody... Really, I like the fact that Chris Tucker's even like you know trying to pick up on the <laughs> on the triad terrorist. <laughs> There's just nobody that is beyond um, his reach. And this is an actual police station in Hong Kong. Here, coming up on this next scene, where Jackie walks out of the office. This is a great, really great explosion. Andre Ellingson, who's our special effects coordinator, he worked for Mike Minardis, did an amazing explosion here. really really powerful and it's kind of shocking actually when you see it in the theater because you're just not expecting such a great big blast like that and it, it brings back a little bit of reality and occasionally throughout this movie we added a little reality <laughs> <laughs> and here we cut to chris of course with his little kung fu shoes and the pants that are too short he's wearing jackie's clothes here and we wanted to get him into some kind of asian garb and we thought okay this is like a kind of a last minute thing we have him walking into this store with a Hong Kong tailor, you know. It's not the first time he's going to go shopping in the movie, by the way. <laughs> this here was a very difficult scene. Um, the dreaded chicken scene. <laughs> Jeff hates this scene. No, no, no. This is an actress, believe it or not, and she didn't speak a word of English. I'm the type of guy who will shoot until I get it. And we literally must have done 100 takes on this setup and just trying to find it. And the great thing is that they kind of reacted to each other well. Chris was really scared of that chicken, believe it or not. And she pulled this out of her hat when she blew on the chicken's ass. I mean, that was just, you know. You don't see that in the movies that often, at least American movies. <laughs> it was brilliant. I love being there. I mean, these people are all, they weren't extras. They're just people walking through the market and they look, but they don't even care. You know, they... They were shocked to so see you didn't them. have this blocked off. These are actual. Just These are actually just around. people walking around. Look, if you look at the extras in the background, they're looking like at it, but they're they're not phased by it. This is one of my favorite lines in the movie <laughs> that Jeff wrote, and it was. And Jackie is a type of actor that can really pull off the emotional beats in a movie. And yeah, he really uh, sells this. All he wanted was some mushu. <laughs> he really sells this. All he wanted was some mushu. But I believed he was sad about, you know, Chris being gone. And that was one of the first ideas you had had. I remember in the writing of the script, you said at some point, I'd love for Jackie to think that Chris is dead. Yeah. And it worked. And it was just, it's a little moment. Here's John Lone. This is a great shot. This is actually a real gangster's limousine. Uh, this guy, I call him number nine. I won't disclose his name because he might send someone to come see me. But he has the Rolls Royce limousine, and that's a real gangster. We had to change the license plate. And that, this is another scene that we uh, had a little yeah, trouble we, with. We a, These scenes are tough because they, Chris goes on and on, and there's never a natural out. And so even in the chicken scene and this scene, there's, you know, an hour of funny footage, yet there's not a natural kind of right. end of the scene and so you just sort of have to manufacture it. We kind of created in the edit. Now you're speaking my language. Well get the hell on then. Come on, let's go. 
Now, this is something that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> I came up with last minute, and I thought, okay, I want to show Jackie really upset, kind of milk this, this emotional stuff a little bit. And then I wanted to kind of break out of it because we're not tricking anybody. The audience knows that Chris is not dead. And Jackie kind of emulating Chris and doing his head moves to a Puff Daddy song when he hears Puff Daddy coming on, which it does come on on the radio in Hong Kong. And it was literally one of the biggest moments. Yeah, this is this is my favorite moment in the whole movie. It's just, you know, Jackie Chan in a car. <laughs> but it's really, really a lot of fun. Did Jackie know uh, Jackie song? had no idea what the lyrics were, but I told him what the lyrics were, and I broke it down for him, and he got it. Once you tell Jackie what his motivation is, he really, really gets it. This is a song that was written by the director Rob Cohen for a movie he directed. And I was looking at the credits and I saw Rob Cohen, Rob Cohen, and I did some research and it was the actual director, Rob Cohen. It was like a Chinese pop song that he wrote. 32, if you see that number, that's Jackie's favorite number. And it's not the real gangster's plate, it's Jackie Chan's plate that we put on the real gangster's car because we didn't want anybody to recognize that it was the real gangster's car. Wait right here, I'll be right back. You understand? Yes, I understand. Whose yacht is this, Brent? They wouldn't tell us. It was the only yacht. They, they actually drove this yacht like thousands of miles. We rented it like months in advance, and it was a lot of fun. We were on that boat for like six days driving around the harbor. Was there any part of the film that was not made with a criminal element involved? No. That's where we came up with Follow the Rich White Man, you know. Every crime leads to a rich white man, and uh, someone very criminal and rich owns that boat, but we, we can't disclose who. This is a great little Jackie Chan moment. I, very I simple. It's very simple. I said, well, Jackie, how are you going to get on the boat? You can't just walk on the boat. They know you're a cop. You can't just do this whole big stunt and dive on the boat. I said, well, let's come up with something, you know, simple and realistic. And he said, okay, get me one of these ice buckets. And I said, why? He goes, I use the ice bucket and I go across. Because if you literally touch that water, you have to have the, the limb amputated, okay? <laughs> it is the filthiest water on earth. This song here is actually I stole out of the movie Year of the Dragon. It's when Mickey Rourke and the, the, the Asian reporter is in a restaurant and a woman is singing this song. And when I played the song for Jackie, I said, what's the name of the song? Because I wanted to find the CD. She said, oh, this was a very good friend of mine. And she actually died. And it was the most popular song ever in Asia. And I must have good ears because I picked the most popular song. And it's such a catchy, catchy song. How you doing, baby? Carter. This is Rosalind Sanchez, who is wonderful. Our kind of idea for this movie is to never really put a Caucasian in any important role. <laughs> or any role. <laughs> any role. And uh, I think the Beach Boys have the most lines yeah. of any white person in the film. So, you know, we have a black star, an Asian star, and a, and a Puerto Rican star. She's a beautiful girl. She's also a dancer, which helped with the physical stuff, with the martial arts stuff, because nobody is really a martial artist aside from Jackie Chan. But then again, they look so great fighting and doing all that stuff. But it's really because when you get a female dancer, of course, they could put their legs straight up in the air, and that helps with throwing kicks and doing the physical fight stuff. Yes. Listen, I'm not going to play games with you. I want you. 
this is the hardest day I remember shooting for me because the boat was rocking, the wind was blowing, and we're in the middle of the harbor. I try to keep the backgrounds interesting with like some kind of lights. So really, ultimately, I had to go just for performance. So nothing I wanted to happen happened in this scene. The SS Minnow Johnson. The SS Minnow Johnson. Yeah. Chris, you know, you put him with a beautiful girl, and he's going to... Uh, yeah, it's uh, this is a nice little scene, and and he definitely when he says the SS Minnow Johnson, even though no one else laughs in the theater, <laughs> we always laugh. We laugh. Just like these days, I knew something was wrong when my key didn't work. Who's your friend? Somebody. The Stephen Rain character, played by Alan King, was kind of modeled after Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn meets Donald Trump. Meets Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, Unfortunately, we're not using Alan King to the best of his abilities because he's actually one of the funniest comedians around. He has this grandeur about him and this kind of... And since we're heading for Vegas, who else sells Vegas better than Alan King? Than Alan King. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to hang out at Caesars Palace, and there was the Alan King Tennis Classic Tournament. And I just think being at Caesars Palace by the pool, Alan King's face just comes to my mind. Here's another really simple thing that just Jackie Chan comes up with last minute. I'm like, how are you going to grab this guy? And he says, who, get... Who isn't this his... Uh... This is Andy Chang, who is part of Jackie Chan's stunt team, who will do anything Jackie will do. And actually, the way Jackie does his stunts, which is an interesting thing, it's, it's kind of psychological the way he does it, his approach to it, because he kind of psychs himself into it. Because if you could see someone do it, Physically, if you could see someone jump off a building and they live, then you know you could do it. So it's like when I was a kid, I used to take my friends who weren't as smart as me and go to a bridge and say, okay, you go first. And he would hit the water and I would look down, are you okay? And he'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, then I could jump. So he'll have this guy, Andy, do the stunt first. And if he lives, then Jackie will do it. <laughs> and Andy's in the movie. I mean, he really is in almost every fight, <laughs> yeah. like four times. Here's John Lone and Zhang Ziyi on the back of this boat, which is moving around the harbor. John Lone is just such a great actor, and he put so much thought into his character. You know, there's only a, a handful of scenes that he's in, yeah. and he's really got to sell those little scenes and make mm -hmm. the plot kind of work. And, right. and here you have to see Jackie sort of. And, and this is something that Jackie does in this movie really amazingly, which is to revert back to the Jackie of Rush Hour 1 and kind of be serious and... You know, he just really goes back and forth. He can be really silly and really serious in the same movie, and you buy all of it. I did not blow up the American. Everybody thinks of Jackie as Superman, as a guy who has no weaknesses. And unfortunately, when we got on this boat this night, they told us to put these patches behind our ears. They offered us the patches and the pills. And what Jackie did was, because I guess I didn't know this, but he has a tendency of getting seasick, he put the patches on and took the pills. <laughs> so if you look at his face right here, and I was so scared that people were going to notice, but only I noticed, he looks completely drunk. Okay. So he's not acting at all here. He's not really he sad. Is, he a... literally could not stand up straight. Okay. He, and thank God he didn't have much dialogue because he was literally standing there dizzy as hell, wanting to throw up at every moment and had to do this entire fight sequence drunk. So I said, well, let's have a scene where he offers you a drink and you're playing like drunken master here. But he said, no, 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 I did it before already. So we got to do it this way. But he did a great job for being completely, his equilibrium was completely off. I mean, he was like overdosed on the equilibrium medicine and he did not know where he was this entire time and was completely out of it doing this fight sequence. <laughs> Oh! <laughs>
Now these two guys that fell in the water literally was the scariest thing ever. They got sucked underneath the boat and did not come up for a few minutes. I mean, I was terrified, I was shaking, because Jackie said, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe this is too dangerous. And for Jackie to say that was scary. Even though we had the stunt coordinator there, Connie Pomisano, and you know, we made sure that it was safe, because that deck was put on after the boat was built, and the engines were about 14, 18 feet underneath, back. So it was a long way before the props can get to you, but for some reason, the waves were going in a certain direction and these guys got sucked under the boat and literally almost got chopped up by the props and it was really, really scary. They couldn't come up either. They were underneath. They kept bouncing underneath the back of the boat. Yeah. I slipped and I fell. Hey. What? Am I bleeding? Quite a night, Inspector. Ricky Tam was our only bait. Now he's gone. So you got your revenge. At the this is our aftermath scene, which is more exposition. Yeah, we sort of discover here that Jackie's been holding out on Chris, and you know what I love about this is really just the look of this whole sequence out here, and everything in this movie is just so when you write these things down you think you picture like a little tiny you know moment between a cop and there's this massive sequence with a yacht and 20 cops and the production value that's thanks to my ad jamie freitag who is the best in the world at background action because i could not direct any of these people on what they should be doing where they should be walking all i'm concentrating on is jackie and chris and their lines and their performances making sure that you understand what they're saying to each other let alone what people are doing when they're walking in the background so jamie freitag a lot of credit is due to the reality of this movie and you know it's really we're trying to create a reality within the frame and he really makes it feel very real the placement of the police cars the way the police are walking the way they're talking to people whether they have a notebook in their hand or a pen or whether they're talking into a phone or a walkie I mean, he literally goes through every single person and tells them exactly what to do. And it's really helpful because when someone's doing the wrong thing, they hear it from me because I get really pissed off. And I'm like, who told that guy to put his finger in his nose? Who said it? <laughs> and Jamie's like, not me, not me, boss. <laughs> you know. So I get really pissed off when extras are doing something they shouldn't be doing. And Jamie knows what they should be doing. He found out his partner, Tan, was working for the trials. But before he could prove it, he was killed. All the evidence disappeared. Ted resigned, and the case was never solved. So I get it now. This is all about your daddy's last case. I learned a big lesson here. You know, we had come up with so many reasons why they would go to Los Angeles. Yeah. And, you know, trying to come up with clever clues they can find. Mm -hmm. and, and you taught me a great lesson here because I must have been the script down six or seven times with matchbooks and these little clever things. And, and then at the end of the day, you know, you just follow the rich white man. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. There, we don't need, this is rush hour. We don't really need a clue. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going. This is it. So this is like, you know, an emotional scene really in the movie. We had a lot of these scenes that we ended up editing out where they talked about certain things that kind of brought you closer to the actors. But the th one thing that they, these two guys had in common was that they both had fathers that were cops and both their fathers had died and were killed, and that's what we were looking for. Yeah, just to, to take the story and actually, you know, give it a little tiny bit of, of heart and emotion. And yeah, 
And that was that scene that you just saw there, which was the emotional connection between these two characters, what they have in common. Chris is just fantastic on this plane. I can, he's really <laughs> we ended up, We ended up taking out the part where she comes over because he ordered the kosher meal and just put, ended up putting in the outtakes because we really didn't need it. But, you know, it worked in the outtakes. But literally, we shot 100 takes of him talking about the gefilte fish and how, you know, he should try it with a schmear. And he could not say gefilte fish for the life of him. And that's what you saw in the outtakes. That is our kosher meal. Shalom. There's your uh, United Airlines product placement shot. <laughs> that helped us get a lot of free tickets back and forth between Hong Kong, so everybody knows the truth now. Those two buildings actually don't exist together, but I wanted to kind of sell that they were watching the, the other building, and you, I wanted to show two buildings in the same frame, so I kind of shot two buildings and then kind of digitally put them together. Oh, guess who this is? Yep, that's her. That's the woman that was on Ricky Tan's boat right there. We got him. Told you to work out. Know what I'm talking about. All we got to do now is wait. They still talking? Mm-hmm. Jackie's really a lot of fun here and does some things that, I mean, this was probably the most fun for me to write, the idea of Jackie Chan kind of leering at a girl. And he still manages to maintain an innocence here, but even when he's saying, you know, slow down, baby. There's one thing I regret that I didn't put in, okay? Jeff, last minute, wrote a line. He came up with this idea, and I kind of regret it because I realized in Rush Hour you can go as far as you want, really. Well, we just debated about how far we could go with Jackie. With Jackie Chan, because women don't really want to see him you know, doing the stuff that Chris does. They, they think he's so cute and charming and likable. And this was borderline of him saying, uh, Slow down, baby. Slow down, baby. Slow down, baby. Yeah. But Jeff wrote a line, which I literally didn't put in in the last minute, which was, Who's your daddy? <laughs> I, think there were, I think there were about 10 other lines, I mean, that we were going to do here with, uh, with like Jackie. What, what are the other ones? I'm not going <laughs> to. My mother might actually listen to this one day. But it was just exciting to actually see Jackie do something I comedically that he's never done, which yeah. is be disgusting. And it was very subtle. It was very subtle, his performance, and him enjoying watching this girl in dress and them fighting over this and him saying, I can't look, I can't watch. Right, and then now he's saying, you know, it's not right, we shouldn't do it. Right, we shouldn't do it. Yeah, (laughs) now he's fighting, like, because Chris has control over what what he's seeing, he can't take it. This was a great line, and Chris nailed it, which was uh, Victoria's Secret Spring Catalog line, which is great. Now, we couldn't get permission to do Snoopy. So what is that? Um, uh, who knows? <laughs> it's a Snoopy lookalike. Snoopy? Yeah. I love Snoopy. Wait a minute, I love Snoopy too. Let me look at this thing. Hold up, wait a minute. She's going to the door. Wait a minute, wait a minute. She's going to the door. She's opening the door. Here's again Zhang Ziyi in another uh, disguise. Disguise. <laughs> and they put two and two together and like, oh my god, that's the girl. Look like the same girl who dropped off the package at Joe off. This was actually all shot on stage. It's a bomb! <laughs> This is Jimmy Muro's amazing Steadicam work. This was a much longer scene. I, I think you'll see it in the uh, deleted scenes, and it just got goofy. They didn't know where to throw the bomb, and it was, it was much longer, and I just wanted to get to the rooftop and get the movie on with I mean, I have a very short attention span. I think the longest scene in the movie is about <laughs> two and a half to three minutes, yeah. so. But this is the type of movie that you'd want to try not to be repetitive, and you just try not to linger. You know, you want to get the movie rolling. Lee! Carla! Lee! Carla! Throw it! No! 
Where was this shot, Brent? This was shot on the roof of the Library Tower, which is the highest building in Los We actually lit L.A. out there. You see we, all those lights? We put all those lights out there. Put that down! Hey! Guys, no bomb. Nothing. Now stay away before I throw you both in jail for obstruction. Throw us in jail? Lady, you must be out of your mind. I'm about to bust you right now. I'm an undercover agent for the United States Secret Service. Well, how do we know that? Show me a badge right now. Here you go. Let me see that again. That's a great comedic moment. I love that in the trailer they use another take of it, which is funny, but this is the take that really works. Yeah, and there's a couple moments like that in this movie that certainly defy all credibility that she would actually have a badge on her bra. Yet <laughs> right. It seemed to work it in works. this movie. Yeah. And this is great. It's a pun on words. There's no, a misunderstanding. You said, that. No, and you said it. You said that in the hotel room. I said she was the bomb. Chris is obviously trying to put the blame on Jackie, which we did in the first rush hour. Now look, I've been working this case for months now, so if I see my little... This is the scene basically where the movie stops. <laughs> but I have to say, in my own defense here, Brett, to give the all the exposition of the movie to a girl in a bathrobe... <laughs> yeah, it was smart. Exactly. I mean, I think it's something that's, that was necessary, this plot, you know, that we need to kind of explain. We didn't want it to be... Uh, too heavy-handed, but it, it, it worked because look at her. I mean, come on, she's beautiful. And, yeah, uh, I don't think most people even noticed that they were, you know, having a little <laughs> lesson in counterfeit in bills here. Counterfeit bills. And this is research. I know I gave you an article on the uh, super bill, and, and you kind of used yeah. this whole thing about the Iranian relationship. With the it's, all, it's actually all true, believe it or not, it's that, all true. that we, uh, the Shah of Iran did have a intaglio printing press from the United as a, States. Give it as a gift, yeah. It's all real. It's all real. That's what I love about it. That's why I couldn't lose it. Would the movie have worked without the scene? Yeah, but probably not as well. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, you need some plot. You need to follow something, you know. Th there needed to be something that they were after. It's not just the Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan show. Our approach to this film is really to shoot it like a thriller and uh, let the comedy play. Now, the real ink, it burns black. So what in the hell are they going to do with $100 million of phony money? You know, Carter, I believe you're asking the wrong question. The real question is, where are the plates? Because if we can find the plates, we can stop the whole operation. Right? Yeah, you're right. And you know what? Maybe that's where you can help us, guys. This is an improv that Chris came up with, which wasn't written. This is your city, right? Yeah, this is my titty. I mean, this is my city. Chris just came up and with We life. had a lot of debate about whether or not, you know, her robe should be open here, how much oh, yeah. and all that. And, yeah. and I'm I, really glad that I lost that argument. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff thought we were going too far. And I said, no. And you know what? The, the truth is, the version that Jeff didn't like is when you saw her undies, too. So you thought, what is she inviting him into? But I did a closer shot, and it just, like, was more subtle. It was much worse in the first version <laughs> of this. But it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're from China, if you're from, you know, the hood, you appreciate a beautiful woman. That's why it, the scene works, I think. Yeah, and this is all just more fun banter between these guys. And at this yeah. point in the movie, they really, you know, you really kind of believe almost anything they say to each other. Absolutely. Seen the way she was staring at her brother. She never even looked at you. This was actually the only shot in the movie that was done in one take. I couldn't believe that Jackie and Chris got through all this dialogue. They were so on this night. I mean, actually, I cut, but I didn't have to. The scene played. I cut right there. Yeah, but, but the scene the, would have played all the way through. They were just both so on. They articulated their words correctly. You understood what they were saying, and it, it worked. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's it's one of those things, too, where usually in a movie you can't say to someone, you're third world ugly and things like that, but, <laughs> you know, you believe almost everything that happens between these guys, and this is brilliant stuff here. Here was the uh, Crenshaw Kitchen, Chinese soul food. Which is great, and I had absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> that creation. And I have to say, but I had nothing to do with this entire scene. I know, really? there, were, I know there are other writers who worked on this movie, and uh, I can tell you that from this point until the end of the scene, I until I saw it in the theaters, I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Well, Toby Emmerich, who is actually now the president of New Line, right. wrote this scene with me. And Jeff had done a draft, several drafts of the movie, and was just kind of burnt out on it. By year three. And New Line didn't want to spend any more money, so they hired the president of music at the time to help us. But actually, Toby's a friend of mine and, and had written some other good scripts uh, for New Line. And we thought, okay. It's really one of my favorite scenes, you know, unfortunately for me. <laughs> really? I, I love the scene. I love Don Cheadle in the scene. And I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Well, I have a relationship with Don Cheadle because he was in the family man for me and I, I had lunch with him one day and I said look I really want you to be in Rush Hour 2 and he said the only way I'll be in Rush Hour 2 is if I could speak Chinese and have a fight with Jackie Chan or I'm not doing it and I said absolutely and that's where I came up with the idea of doing a Chinese soul food place where he was a guy who owned this place and in the back he had a Chinese wife with like six little half Chinese half black kids which was like a subtle thing which you just saw on the way in and he dresses like you know he thinks he's Bruce Lee and in the back is like a, a, a Mahjong gambling uh, <laughs> joint it's really you know a restaurant that's a front for a gambling spot yeah. I love it. I mean it, even his little movements in this scene too Cheeto really got into this oh yeah he was really into it I mean he came to my house a few days before we're shooting to rehearse the fight sequence with Jackie and his team and he was so I mean it was as if he was been taking martial arts for 10 years he worked so hard on it and getting the moves right and making it feel right but on top of it he came in speaking Chinese as good as Jackie Chan Jackie Chan was like oh my god I mean, perfectly. His dialect was perfect. And Chinese is the hardest language in the world to learn. Toothing tiger. Where did you land that? Oh, they're brothers. Oh, I love when jokes work that are in subtitles. Because <laughs> very rare. It's, this one has like four of them. This, this has video, like four laughs with the jokes in subtitles. So a lot of credit to Don Cheadle who really gave me the idea of coming up with the scene because of the character that he wanted to play. And this was actually the first thing that we shot in the movie, and it was great. Chris actually came up with something last minute which we couldn't do because at the end of the scene. We were like in this kitchen, which is like a real kitchen to a real Chinese restaurant, and there was a butcher knife, like a hatchet, like sitting there on a shelf. And he goes, Brett. I go, what? He goes, oh, man, we could have used this butcher knife instead of him pulling out the gun. <laughs> if he would have just pulled out that butcher knife out of nowhere and said, back, back. So we missed out on that opportunity. But, but there, you know, that's a nice line where he says, I'll shoot you and say you fell in the kitchen. Yeah, and say you fell in the kitchen. I like that. That works. This is a great moment where uh, they look away 
and then immediately look back. And they just did it. That was like the first take. They just did it. You know, it was just a natural thing they did to to look back in there. This who, is you know, who's the costume designer? Because look at that outfit. He's, yeah, it's beautiful. fabulous. Rita Ryak is a genius. She did Casino, and she's brilliant. And among many other movies she's done, but she went to Hong Kong and really got into the groove and checked out the styles and really looked at the textures and the materials. And she's brilliant with colors, and she just nailed that kung fu look for Don Cheadle. Here's another version of the theme played with different instrumentation, which is like the kind of the rush hour theme, which repeats a lot of times. Excuse me. This is again, you know, uh, lots of different versions of how they end up getting put in the back of a truck and different things. And at the end of the day, Brett came up with this sort of little chase here, which really works, you know, because it, it leads you to right where you want to be, which is this kind of nice little showdown between 300 triads. <laughs> This is one of my favorite scenes from Zheng Ziyi, and uh, she was fantastic here. She gets it, even though she didn't speak English. She really is smart, and she's a great actress. And uh, she got Chris, and she knew how to respond to him well. She's very smart. All right, I'm sorry. I think there's someone who would like to talk about This is where the first. Bond girl thing is starting to really come yeah. to play. <laughs> They're starting to look the part, yeah. everybody. Yeah. I was campaigning to direct the next Bond film, so I was in, like, the Bond mode and trying to, you know, I couldn't wait to invite them into the edit room to see, like, these sequences. And Chris is so great when he gets hit and he just falls down out of nowhere and just his eyes roll back in his head. That's going to cost you. Is she a martial artist? She's not a martial artist, but she's just a dancer, and she's so agile and so flexible, and she could just throw a kick and, and make it look great. And I love this hit that's a surprise out of nowhere. To watch your back. Ah! Boom, she knocks him out in the back. This next scene we shot I think we must have been completely <laughs> out of it. When I saw the, the dailies, I mean, uh, I was like, well, maybe it'll work. And then I saw it cut together. Originally, I wrote this long scene in the back of this truck where these guys really bond, and we get to hear all about Inspector Lee's, you know, he had a, a fiancé fiance that left him. It's because he sang too much. <laughs> he sang too much. It was, it was just... And then Chris Tucker makes him sing, and, and it's, it's like a, it's, it, was, it was just... The editor called me and said, we got a problem, you better come in here. And I saw it, and it was the first time I, I can say in my whole career that I've ever been depressed. And I immediately called Jeff, and I said, Jeff, you got to come take a look at this. And I he came, really in the, and he came in the room, and I played it for him, and I said, well, what do you think? What do you think? Can we, can we fix it? Can we... And he looks at me and goes, Brett, it's horrible. It's just one of those things that, you know, you don't want to see. It's, it's uh, you, you know, you don't want to see, like, your sister naked. There's just certain things in life. And you don't want to see uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker have, like, serious heart-to-heart moments. A heart-to-heart moments. And, and it, it just didn't work. It was just the wrong choice. Because we were always trying to find a way to put the heart into the movie. And that was just the wrong place for it. Thank God that that happened because we decided to go back and reshoot the entire sequence. And seeing it gave Jeff the idea to make it specific about what... Yeah, just have a, a more fun, a comedy scene. 
This scene, I was in Vegas with you guys, and the night before, you said I'm shooting these girls in a limo, and so you said, could I write you a little scene? And, and a lot of the movies kind of sometimes done that way. Yeah. <laughs> or just the night before, you're... I came up with an idea to, to cut to them so I can cut away, and that little knife thing Jackie taught me how to do you know, without using visual effects. And it was really simple. If you slow it down on the DVD, you'll see that the knife is already in the apple. And she just throws her hand past the camera and never lets go of the knife. And we put a sound effect in there. And it's just an old, simple trick. And it works. And don't you do that with the axe in Rush Hour? Also? Absolutely. It's basically the same kind of, kind of trick. Okay, give me your left leg. What for? Left leg? Doing this again gave them the opportunity to really put a lot of thought into it and also into the. What I'm proud of most is the production design here with the idea of these statues because you, you'll see in the deleted scenes, it was like just crates. We said, where are we going to put this, all this money? I just want to say one thing too that he does say in this scene, you know, I'll bitch slap you back to Africa. And that was actually, originally he was supposed to say, I'll bitch slap you back to uh, Bangkok. Yeah. And it was Chris Tucker who said to Jackie Chan, I want you to say Africa. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to get any mail. <laughs> What the hell? Wow. Lee, untie me. Hurry up, man. All these statues full of money. Ah. The choices we made here just... I, I always find that going back a second time and reshooting something, now I understand why Woody Allen reshoots his home movies, because you could just make it that much better. And the, from the lighting to the design to put the idea... I came up with the idea last minute to put the money in these statues, because... Before this, I'd shot with these statues in Vegas. So I said, why don't we put the statues in the truck? And it just worked, and it just made sense. And uh, I'm so proud of that scene. I really am. It really is funny. I don't think the monkey line was in the script, right? Chris came up with No, that a lot of the lines, by the way, in the script, Chris Tucker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> comes up with. He's came up with, which is great. Whatever. I'll tell you what happened. Come on, Lee! This scene basically, you know, it was written, but we got there and we, we kind of just figured it out. I know? don't think this was written. It wasn't. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little Jackie moment coming up with these trash cans. I kind of walk through Jackie what I think needs to happen, where they have to start and where they have to end up. They start in the truck and they have to end up going down into the sewer and. They come out in Vegas, and I was really excited the way it turned out because it really worked. It was simple. Yeah. You know, we were always racking our brains. How do we get them, you know, to Vegas and putting them in the truck and having them go through this underground garage because we want the I wanted the reveal to be a big moment. Yeah. Originally, they were just they came out of the truck and they were in Vegas, and Brett said, you know, let's have them come through this tunnel, which is really great because you get that this wonderful shot coming up with their heads peeking through. And this tunnel was actually built by Terry Marsh on the yeah. stage. It was great. It looked so real. And Chris really didn't want to walk through it. And we said, well, it's clean water, Chris. You could drink this water. <laughs> this was the reveal. Las Vegas? Vegas. 
I changed that shot like 50 times. It was like a second unit shot. I went down to Vegas on a special trip just to kind of supervise second unit shooting these buildings because I, I shot Caesars and I shot the Mirage and I shot I shot so many casinos because the trick was I didn't want any casino, the reverse, to dwarf the Red Dragon. If you shoot the Bellagio, it makes the Red Dragon look like a little stinky hotel. And the Red Dragon is the old Desert Inn. Absolutely. Which you really can't tell, can you? It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it was going to be a huge cost to paint this hotel because we wanted the Red Dragon, of course, to be red. And as I was scouting Vegas, I realized that most of these casinos and these hotels were lit with light, with colored light. They weren't painted. Like the bottom there of the Bellagio is blue. It's blue light. And actually, that was the Bellagio, but now we're inside of Caesars. Right, the forum shops. And uh, this is a scene that Jeff was actually on the set this is the same kind of deal where I'm just there and they say, well, we're going to come in here and we want, <laughs> can you write some stuff down? And uh, and Brett called his friend uh, Jeremy Piven and flew him in. And flew him in last minute, like the day before. The whole thing happened within, you know, about eight hours. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted, to, again, to get them styling, macking and it, out. Going and it's in. their second shopping scene, which yeah. you know, most uh, action movies don't have a lot of shopping scenes. Right. I think this is two, number two for us. And this isn't something that you hadn't seen before, of course, the scene in, in Beverly Hills Cop with the gay salesman, but Jeremy just brought so much to it. I mean, look at this sweater. I mean, we were literally trying on the clothes. This is the actual Versace store in Caesars, and we were, like, trying on the wardrobe, and he was just totally in character saying, is this gay enough for you? And so Chris never saw him as a straight man. Chris showed up on the set, and he thought he was really gay. He didn't recognize who he was. And, and he must have done this. I mean, I saw him do it at least 200 times. Well, Jeremy is a brilliant, brilliant comedian, aside from an actor. And he and Chris just stood toe-to-toe. And he never, and neither one of them ever said the same, the same thing, thing twice. twice. <laughs> ever, ever. We had so much fun shooting that scene that we just shot it all day long. I mean, it should have taken like a quarter of a day, but we couldn't stop laughing, and we were just slowing us down, and we just kept doing it over and over and over again. Owner and founder of the Red Dragon Casino. Here is, again, brilliant production design by Terry Marsh. The interior of this casino, I mean, if you see it now or to see the way it was, the transformation is unbelievable the amount of work that he did to transform this and this is the thing where they said you know these are the amount of days that you have and you got to make this work and you know a lot of times I would try to show pictures to Jeff or try to describe where things were and try to write it but you can't really write it you can't really write what happens I mean we had two writers Stu and Raven come down and help us figure out the action. We told them, okay, this is what has to happen. How do we get there? This is how we want to get from point A to point B. And this is the space that we have. And we, we had these guys down there with us kind of blocking out, meaning I would rehearse the scene with Jackie and show him what he had to utilize. And then Stu and Raven would kind of take notes and then kind of put it in script form because we can't just shoot it after we just talk about it. We got to kind of go off a, a script. You know, as far as how many extras we need, how to schedule it, how to shoot it. Here's this, is, this is an amazing set, by the way, to be inside this set and to see what they did. They, they literally transformed the inside mm-hmm. of the old Desert Inn into this incredible casino. It's, it's just amazing. Biggest friend in the world. You're right. Hello. Would you like a drink? Drink? Put your arms around me. What? Hold me close. There are cameras everywhere. What's going on? I think I may be in trouble, Lee. I really need your help. Last time you needed my help, 
I woke up in the truck. I'm on the cover, Lee. I had no choice. I mean, you have to trust me. Here's a scene that was much longer, I think, <laughs> that we ended up trimming. You know, I think Jackie is a very charming, likable guy, and you kind of want him to win, and win with the girl especially. These two as well, you know, had great chemistry, I thought. Yeah, we really debated about, you know, does someone need to get the girl and, you know, in yeah. this kind of a movie. And he really doesn't get her, but he, no, he comes kind, kind of, of close. Yeah, he comes close. <laughs> What are you doing? The wardrobe again, Rita Ryak did a great job because the dialogue that Jeremy came up with came out of what we were thinking about what we were going to wear and we shot that scene before the Versace scene and I had Rita talk to Jeremy who was the Versace salesman to tell him what kind of outfit Chris was going to be wearing and what she was thinking about and that's how that dialogue came out of, uh, you know, put a dead animal on you and stuff so it all ties together. Look, it's security all over the place. If you're going to do this, you're going to need a distraction, all right? So keep your eye on me, and you'll know when to make your move. Good. Cool. This scene coming up with Chris at the craps table was, I think, Chris's best scene in the movie. What I try to do is I surround Chris with great characters. I put people around him that he can perform off and some, of. And some great actors, by the way. You got to come to this table and, and sit with him. And... Yeah, Saul Rubinek. Actually, Matt Barry, my casting director, is in the scene. And, uh, you know, some Playboy Playmates around the table. And, and... <laughs> yeah, I think what we do is, you know, at least from my point of view, is, you know, get him in the situation. And then, yeah. I mean, you say to Chris Tucker, you need to be a distraction in a casino. You don't have to write a lot of dialogue for Chris, yeah. although some of the stuff here he actually... The, bi the biggest laugh in the entire movie, okay, is by far when he says Lionel Richie has not been black since the Commodores, which is Jeff's line. I don't think even Jeff knew how big that laugh was, but you literally could not hear anything for at least like three minutes after people say that line. But Chris Tucker in the scene is amazing. He just goes off and he just, I mean, there, I saw a lot of the, you know, the cut footage on this. It's mm -hmm. just, it's endless. You could do about 15 different versions of this scene. Oh, yeah. I have no Sir. idea. I think you should calm down. I think you should go over there and count something. Give him a chips, just and I want thousand dollar chips. chips Hurry up! I just want to be treated fairly. Is that too much ass? No, no. Is that too much ass? That's Gianni Russo. It was in my last movie, The Family Man, and a good friend of mine. It's all Rubinek. I'm, I'm getting this ensemble of, of actors, and I'm starting to repeat Jeremy Piven, Don Cheadle, who's in all my films. The funniest thing is that after the Lionel Richie line, people don't hear the rest of it, which is as funny. We got Lionel Richie performing here tonight. Lionel Richie ain't been black since the Commodores, man. What about Peaches and Herd? Gladys Knight the Pimps, Ike and Tina. I mean, he, you know, which is hysterical, but no one ever heard it. And I don't think until people watch it on DVD are they going to hear it, because if you're you know, alone with your girlfriend watching the movie, you might be able to get those other lines. But in a theater, you will never hear those other lines, because the Lionel Richie line is just too funny. This was stressful, shooting in this casino, because there were so many pieces, so many shots, so many things we needed. Not only did we get Stu and Raven down there, but Jeff came back, right? Jeff yeah. came back to figure out the finale. And it was hard. It was even harder, I could tell, on Jackie, because it was just I, he, was, he was like a kid in a candy store. You know, there were so much possibilities. So, I mean, originally there was supposed to be, you know, there are acrobats hanging from ropes in here, but we had Jackie, you know, doing this whole action sequence, swinging and... This is a great sequence that we kind of came up with after I showed Jackie the location and we figured this out. 
I mean, look at this. I mean, the way he holds himself up on this wall is amazing. And this is the actual soft count room. This is the actual the soft casino. count room in the desert and casino. And I bring Jackie out to the location like a week before, and I walk him through it and tell him what I'm thinking and what I like to happen. And then he figures out the choreography of the fighting, and then we shoot it. And it's hard, and it's stressful, but we're always challenging each other. We're always trying to make sure that we're following the storyline and yeah. that we're telling the story. And this is a perfect blend, you know, of Jackie Chan, who just always is aware of the comedy of anything and, and I remember him coming up with this idea of that he sees himself in all the, the monitors. Uh, all the monitors. Yeah. This is probably the most amazing stunt coming up. We were in here and I said, I didn't want Zhang Ziyi to come in here because it would be too hard. I wanted to get you out, and then she stops you, and how are we going to get out? And he looks at this cage right there, and he says, I'll go through there. And I said, okay, you want me to make it bigger? He goes, no, I'll get through there. And I looked at it, and it was literally impossible. I said, there's no way. Your body can't even fit through here. He goes, yeah, watch. And he literally just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and falling. I'm like, see, you can't fit. One time he almost got through and he hit his nose on the cage and it just stopped him right there. Then finally he made it through and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I was on the set that day and it, and it was you know it was 11 o'clock at night. You've been shooting all day. He had yeah. just come up with this idea and you just watch this guy throw himself into that cage. He must have done it you know, 12 The amazing thing is he's running forward and his feet go first and he still manages to, to go forward. How do you run? Put your feet in front of your body, and your back follows. I mean, it's right, like... It's without a, slamming your head on yeah. the back of the... And there was literally no tricks. I mean, he literally just did it. What you see is what you get. You also, I mean, in that in that scene with Zhang putting her leg up, she had to do that at least 20 times oh, yeah. to get her leg right. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. That was an important shot. This one is for Mandela! <laughs> That was Mr. Chow, who's the owner of my favorite restaurant in L.A., New York, and London, who was also in Rush Hour in a cameo. Alt. We built this room overlooking the casino on the second floor because the real room was like in, you know, in the basement somewhere, just not visible. You didn't, and I thought, you know, it'd be great if John Lone's character can be overlooking the entire casino. Nothing. Now that's a real American dream. Thanks to a few pieces of metal and the most beautiful U.S. customs agents. And this was also a big debate about how we're going to get out of this room. And, and uh, Brett really wanted Jackie to go out that window. And Jackie did not want to go out that window. <laughs> Jackie did not want to go out the window. Initially, the fight takes him outside over the ledge onto one of the ropes. And it was just too complex. And I just said... I want you to go out that window to get you onto the floor to get people because we got to clear this casino. There's hundreds and hundreds of people here. There can't be people in, in left in this casino. So everything was connected to something else. How do we get 
John Lone upstairs? How do we get Alan? So now we have him seeing Alan King on the monitors. This is all stuff that we figured out kind of as we were shooting. <laughs> and it wasn't that it wasn't on the page. It was just that once we got there, the logistics were changing. Things were changing. Things weren't making sense once we laid it out. So I called Jeff Emergency. You got to come to Vegas and we got to figure this out. And we just painstakingly went through it and I showed him. And once Jeff kind of saw the space, I think he was inspired and was able to figure out the whole thing and make sense of it. Yeah, because it seems pretty simple now when you watch it. and, yeah. and uh, It is simple. Yeah. And the prop people called me about 25 times to ask me what a Ying Tao grenade looks like. <laughs> and I had to tell them I just made that up. <laughs> the trouble with partners is they die. That's all I can. I love this look from John. She's so intense. I mean, she's such a great actress. She really is believable as a bad bitch, you know? She really yeah. is. You're secret service. You're under arrest. This was just went on forever. I mean, this was so hard. It's a pretty small space, too. It's a small space and the parallel action. Mark, my editor, did such a good job at cutting this whole sequence together. I was just, like, dreading cutting this because I'm like, God, there's so much going on. we got to get to the end and we got to keep the pace going. And this, is, this is really a nice little moment. This the Jackie came up with this, the whole locking of the feet thing, which is really clever. <laughs> Fighting over the detonator. I appreciate this, fellas. Never could be too safe. And then here's Jackie going out the window. What she didn't want to do. I'm sorry, man. Did that hurt? Hey, you! Hold it! Ha! I don't know if this was gonna work when they start fighting over this detonator and it goes out the window and then Jackie happens to see it flying through the air. I was like, how are we gonna see that detonator flying through the air and it, it worked? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a little bit of a homage to Indiana Jones and- Absolutely. And <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> you know, there's certain movies that I watched, you know, I said, well, has this ever been done before in a movie? And I don't think there's a scene in this movie that you couldn't find in another movie. And I look at it and I see what the approach is and I just make it my own. I just look at it and go, oh, that was interesting. That was an interesting choice, but that worked for that era, that film, or that moment. And I try to uh, apply it as best I can and learn from it. This was crazy. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people in here running and all the shots and the it's just an enormous job. What happened to you, man? What's that light in your mouth? And so once the detonator was taped in his mouth, we, we wanted to figure out how to get it out of his mouth. <laughs> and uh, Originally, you didn't show her getting shot either, and then in the test audiences, they really were upset that we weren't seeing her shot. Uh, yeah. People had a big problem they with wanted, that. Yeah, they didn't understand. They, just, they felt like they were being cheated, so we went back and shot her getting shot. This was great. I mean, Zhang Zi was really bumping into these people hard. 
going after that detonator. And goes through her legs with all these people running, and then Chris is trying to get him to speak English to him. Yeah, it was, it was a hard concept, you know, because we had to uh, we had to get everyone in the casino, set up a real casino, and then clear out a casino. Yeah. Mainly because originally the casino was going to blow up. Right. And so my job was to empty out a casino. <laughs> now, of want, course, we don't want to kill innocent people. <laughs> of course, the casino now doesn't blow up in this movie. <laughs> so all that was well. Really and originally, the, when I got the hotel, Steve Wynn had told me that they were going to level the desert in. So I said, "Oh, perfect. We'll film it." We'll have the bomb. We'll have Zhangzi, you know, rig the, the the whole casino with bombs. And I did write that, and we had several drafts <laughs> of the hotel blowing up. Blowing and, up. But it actually ends up working, you know. I like the casino empty now, yeah. even though it doesn't need to be. Just go, man. I got this. I'm not gonna hold back on you this time just because you're a woman. This is great what he says here because. When I got Zheng Zi, you know, there wasn't a part for her in the movie. I, I met her in Beijing, and once we knew we can get her in the movie, then I kind of kept writing and expanding her role. This is something that Jackie came up with, this thing with the hair thing, which I think is so cool. And Chris just did his version of it, which is, you know... Egyptian style, girl. Egyptian style, girl. Zheng Zi, you know, she was so wonderful that I just kept expanding her part and giving her more and more due. And I thought... It was a much better idea, ultimately, to have a woman because Chris can be hitting on her and she's trying to kill him at the same time. And we set it up well because she kicks him on the boat and then knocks him out and then, you know, she kicks him on the dock and now he's not taken no more. And it's really a great fight between those two. You really want to see it. And and uh, I remember you calling me at home at like midnight saying, we're shooting the fight and we need a... We need a last line for Chris Tucker to say to her when once she's down. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just put the baby to bed. <laughs> what is this guy calling me? <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I wrote some stuff. I called him back. And I, um, I'm almost sure that this is a, a Chris Tucker at lib at the end of the scene where, where he said. No. You think? That was I, I'm, your I'm, line? I'm, I'm pretty sure. No, then. you wrote it. You wrote it. <laughs> that was your line. But uh, it's, it's just a great fight scene between them because he's he really, you know, I love it also because we utilize, like, the chairs. It's, it's very similar to if Jackie Chan was fighting in the sequence. We use the chair, we use yeah. the roulette wheel, we use the money that, that saves him. It's very simplistic. It's something that, that people can relate to or identify with instead of something being surreal. Yeah, and this is something you came up with, how she gets knocked out, which I could never figure out how the hell to get her knocked out. Knocked out. And uh, somehow you came up with that one. I love how things pay off in this movie. You know, he finds the money in the truck, and I mean, that's just by trial and error, by going through it, and I don't think that was... <laughs> well, you know. We could have been a good couple. We could have had something special. But you one crazy-ass bitch! Some stuff is really thought out, and some stuff is kind of uh, created, but ultimately it all worked out. This is a set that we built with a translate out the window of Vegas. And uh, it's supposed to be the penthouse of the Red Dragon Casino. I never gambled. Oh, I'm uh, cutting our deal short. Oh. And my plates? The plates stay with me. I'm sure you won't have a problem with that. This is really the only moment where, you know, you, you kind of see John Lone do anything uh, too physical, which is, <laughs> yeah. and we don't even show that, really. I love this line here. 
Do you know the moral of that story? Greed will imprison us all. This is another one that was just, you know, the day before your shooting. We need, you know, John Mo's not happy with his dialogue. <laughs> Let's try to fix it. It's just the reality. No one wanted to say anything that was on the page, actually. So, like, oh, in the whole movie. <laughs> you know, things change, situations change. And, but that's you know, how every movie, pretty yeah. much, yeah. is. Except for the ones I've done without you. <laughs> <laughs> I really did try to help him, you know, to share with him, to make your life better. I love how that translate looks. It looks so real out there. And right now it's out of focus, but the set was great. And here's Jackie. You know, he bounces right back, and now he's completely viable as this guy who's, mm -hmm. you know, avenging his father's death. And mm -hmm. he sells it, and this tiny little plot that we put in this movie yeah. starts to slowly pay off. And John Lone is really terrific, too. Don't you remember? I'm already dead. Alan King had to lay there for days. <laughs> he was so mad at me. Oh, I thought you were going to get a stunt double or something. We did, but it, I mean, I had to keep him there just in case because I wasn't sure what the shots were until I got there. God damn! What happened to Rain? Would you like me to tell you how your father died? Jackie's so intense here, and at yeah. the same time as his intensity and his emotion, look at his eyes. He's tearing. Chris is being funny and yeah, just doing Tucker, what, this is all ad lib, by the way. This is just Tucker going off here. Doing what Chris does best. Yeah. And playing off of what he's seeing and believing it. I mean, you know, Chris really uh, believed what he was seeing was true. He was so immersed in it. Lee, shoot his ass right now, Lee. Shoot his ass! What are you gonna do, Lee? And all you gotta do is pull that trigger back and BAM! Are you gonna spend the rest of your life hiding like your father? Man, don't let him talk about your daddy like that. Shoot him, Lee! You can't do it, can you? This is really complicated what's coming up because obviously Brett had. You know, to try to top the ending of the first one and this, uh, this amazing kind of <laughs> sequence and what it started at and then how many different versions of how you're gonna end this. Initially this this ending didn't even take place in this hotel room. I mean it's a whole other ending altogether. This was a brilliant stunt. Look at this guy. I mean he wrapped a wire around himself in different directions and then it let it unwind and he just flipped in every in the most violent fall I've ever seen. What did he get paid for? I don't know. <laughs> it was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say he tried to catch a cab. And here, you know, we came up with this idea of, of having Zang Z show up, you know, with this bomb. And you know, initially she didn't want to say anything. She didn't, she said she's gonna just come in with the bomb with tears coming out of her eyes. And we shot it like that. And I just said it didn't work. I said, you gotta act like an insane, crazy, mad bomber. And this thing here was just months of figuring out, like, how are we gonna get them out of the building? And between Jackie and Connie Palmasano and myself and a the AD and everybody just throwing ideas out there, how are we gonna get them hanging? Oh, we'll, we'll put this, because initially there was a huge dragon outside the casino and the fight was gonna be on the head of the dragon and right. it, was, it was gonna breathe fire out of the mouth right. of the dragon and it was gonna ignite John Lone on fire and he was gonna fall down and, <laughs> and it ended here where they were just hanging, and then I went back and shot this truck. Yeah, this is in L.A., right? This, this was actually in L.A. right here. <laughs> we uh, cheated, made it look like Vegas. <laughs> I wanted this multiple ending feeling like it's never going to stop, it's never going to stop, it's never going to stop, and it really worked. And it was, it was, it was very complex. I mean, we had weeks of pre-rigging and figuring out the weight and how to do it and how to go out the window. And it was about a combination of like three or four different elements 
of stage, of location, of green screen to make that sequence work. And it's really lucky that we didn't, you know, however it didn't work out that we could blow up the hotel. It's one of those lucky things because that would have been really boring to see another building blow up. We got very lucky. Here, here's the one uh, thing Jackie got to get a kiss, so. Yeah, well, that's why he's agreed to do Rush Hour 3 <laughs> right here. It was nice working with you. That was really a sweet little smile there from Jackie. He really enjoyed it, I think. How many times did you make him I do it? That. Well, he had to pay me every time. So we did a lot of takes. She kissed you, didn't she? Ah, you played it cool, too, walking away, not looking back. I like that. Yeah, I'm a player. <laughs> Where is she headed? She's going to New York. Mm. That's your gate down there? Yep. This is also uh, one of those scenes that, you know, you said you were going to the airport and <laughs> called me up. Well, initially in the first rush hour, we kind of felt like, let's create a scene at the end of the movie so that if the movie's successful, we can have a sequel and we can continue it from where we left off. So we have him getting on a plane, going to Hong Kong, and the movie was a hit. And we said if the movie wasn't a hit, we would have assumed the plane exploded in midair. <laughs> and the movie was a hit, so we ended up landing in Hong Kong and the movie continued. Right. And here we ended in the airport and going to New York, Madison Square Garden. So obviously Rush Hour 2 was a hit and hopefully Rush Hour 3 will yeah. open with Chris and Jackie at Madison Square Garden right. in New York now, City. A lot of people had trouble with uh, with this idea that Chris Tucker would actually give him money that he had stolen, you know, <laughs> counter. So we had, to, we had to put in a line here that he... People had a problem. They said, well, did, did, is that the counterfeit money? Did Chris steal the money? Did he win the money? Is this, what is he, you know... They had a moral They problem. had a moral <laughs> issue with it and I said... Come on. <laughs> so there's a line in there now where he says he, you know, he, he did win the money at the table. At the table at Caesars this morning, and, which is fine and which works. But initially it was like he, he had there was some extra left over, <laughs> and Jack was like, no, no, I can't take it. You know, it's come on, enjoy yourself, and then they go on. So what do you say? You know what, man? I can use another vacation. <laughs> decided to reprise Can't Stop Till You Get Enough. And a lot of people ask me if the outtakes are staged and... Oh no, they're, they're all very real, especially Jackie falling and slipping and hurting himself. And this is what I was talking about before, about him just got stuck. I mean, literally his fit body, if you put your hand all the way around, he doesn't fit in that hole. No, no human. <laughs> no human fits, fits in that, that hole. And he wouldn't let me make it bigger. He just kept trying and trying and trying and kept hurting himself and wouldn't give up until he got it. Jackie, okay? always okay. Is this a kosher meal? Yes, sir, that's our kosher meal. What's the name of it? Gefilte. Gefilte fish. Gefilte fish. Lots and bagels. It's my favorite. What's the name of this stuff? Here's the lots and bagels thing. I mean, literally 150 oh. takes. I mean, <laughs> he just couldn't. There's just some lines that he just can't get. If he doesn't, he didn't know what lots and bagels was. I tried to explain it to him, and uh, not an easy thing to explain. <laughs> yeah, and uh, gefilte fish, and we ended up getting it, but it didn't really fit. It was a funny thing that I think worked for the outtakes and. My friend's grandparents have been calling me and saying, we love the movie, especially the lox and bagels and gefilte fish part. So this movie's not only for uh, young teenagers, but for uh, grandparents as well, which I guess is why it did so well. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Chris had a problem with, because Jackie's such a huge personality, Chris tends to always call Jackie, Jackie, <laughs> instead of Lee, instead of Lee, and finally Don Cheadle put a stop to it. <laughs> Jackie, we'd like to see that, we'd we like to see that. Now, Jackie, we'd love to see that, wouldn't we love to see that? His name is Lee, goddammit. <laughs> Lee, we would love to see that. We would love to see that, wouldn't we, Lee? It gotta be something you want. I always want to go. This is just an example of how hard it is. I mean, this is with every scene, Jackie. Yeah, this is why Jackie Chan hates my gut. Because <laughs> you're w watching him try to say Madison Square Garden. Jackie Chan really struggles with the English. I mean, he really does. I mean, he speaks great. He really does. But when it comes to dialogue and the uh, the correct grammar... It, well, plus he's playing off Chris Tucker, who never says <laughs> who the same line twice. Well, right, that, that last word never comes, that last word. He memorizes his dialogue and the last word of Chris's sentences. And Chris's, that last word never comes. So it throws him off. I'd smack your whole bottom. But listen, here's what we do, guys. <laughs> and this is just an example. I mean, we have literally 100 takes of Jeremy Piven hitting on these guys, which is hysterical. I need both of you. You sly devil, you. She kissed you, didn't she? And this, everyone asked me, is this stage? And I said, absolutely not. I was there, and Chris was on the phone before the take, and then the phone rang, and then there's my mom walking by right there. You see her? The brunette. In the middle of the scene, my mom would, like, walk to the bathroom, I'm like, Ma, what are you doing? We're in the middle of a scene. You gotta stay in the same place. Are you a professional? We are filming, you, are, you turn on your phone? No, you can't speak to Jackie Chan. No! They wanna speak to you, Jack. Hello? And this is funny, and this just shows you, you know, Jackie and Chris are just, uh, they got an amazing chemistry on and off. Yeah, they really like each other, and, and, uh... and, and the fact that they don't understand what they're saying to each other makes it even more interesting, the dynamic between these two guys. He ain't gonna be in rush hour three. <laughs> and that's a you know improvised line from Chris. <laughs> Jeff and I both want to thank everybody for watching the DVD and taking the time to <laughs> listen to us talk about this movie. I hope it was interesting. I hope thank you, you for making a great uh, movie, Brad. It's not, e thank not you for, an easy thing to do. Thank you for writing make, a great movie. To make yeah. a good sequel, and, and you've done it. Thank you. You know, I had a lot of fun. Are you going to hire me for the third one? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> I know. Honestly, I had a lot of fun making this movie and collaborating with Jeff because he actually did amazing work on the first movie, and that's why we called you back to do the second one. And I hope that you're available, since you're now working with Spielberg, uh, <laughs> to come back and do the third one. And uh, I think the reason why people enjoy watching these movies is because the fun that we had making this movie is kind of projected onto the screen. And we truly try to make a movie that you and I would enjoy watching. We were yeah. just like a bunch of guys kicking back and exactly. a lot of fun and not try to take ourselves too seriously. Absolutely. We never take ourselves too seriously. We never fall in love with our own work. Everything is kind of... But I know whatever decision we make on the day of when we're there is really going to be the best decision. We go with our instincts, and that's what we did while we were making this movie. I would call Jeff in the middle of the night. You know, he has his family. I'd say, Jeff, give me a line for this moment. Give me a line for this moment. And we had the benefit of really knowing these characters from doing the first movie and knowing what they would do or would not do. It's great collaborating with a writer who gets it and really understands the comedy and the tone of the movie. It's a lot easier when you have Chris Tucker uh, and Jackie <laughs> yeah. to write Yeah, they've, they've made our job much easier, and we hope that you enjoyed watching this film as much as we enjoyed making it because we really, really had a great time. Thanks for uh, buying the DVD and uh, uh, sending our kids to college. Bye-bye.